Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Loki. Uh, Loki is an extremely passionate Souls fan uh, who is focused on translating all of the original Japanese text into uh, English to see if anything was kind of missing. We've seen uh, YouTubers do stuff like this, and we've seen uh, a lot of kind of lore theories come from this tra- these translations. So uh, definitely listen and uh, enjoy this episode because I think it is a good one. My first Souls game was Dark Souls 1. Um, I, I had more or less been completely outside the Dark Souls sphere um, up until um, my friend had got it as a gift. I'm not sure if it was birthday or Christmas. It's one of those two. But he had gotten me the Artorius of the Abyss edition. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember uh, that a while back. Um, the problem was at the time I had the the computer that was like working off stone age technology so playing dark souls one was a literal slideshow and (laughs) after going playing a powerpoint presentation from the undead asylum up through like the first half of undead berg it was just like okay this is getting it painful so let's please stop um so i waited until i got a good computer then once I upgraded and did everything I wanted to max out my my hardware, I was able to actually play Dark Souls 1 proper. Um, and that was probably when definitely I fell in love with the Souls uh, Souls games as just a concept. I just I fell in love with Dark Souls 1 absolutely. And, well, that's kind of that for there. Um, was, it was just an instant thing? Like, the once, once you finally were able to get above, you know, one frame per second, like, you, was it the yeah. world that got yeah. you in there? For, I, I think the problem was when I was playing the game there, I couldn't understand how the reaction and the gameplay worked. It really hindered my understanding. Like, I wanted to play it, because aesthetically, especially, like, from the opening, there I had a, felt a connection there. I am really someone who likes mythologies and histories and things like that, so... So it was certainly up my alley to kind of explore a world that would tell you its mythological beginning right from the get-go. Um, I think that was a good hook for me. The problem was that the gameplay just was unplayable. I mean, yeah. it was absolutely—I I just couldn't take it. But then once once that was fixed, it really, honestly, opened up to me. I got it. I think also it helped a lot was that I think my first playthrough. I've done so many, but I think my first playthrough, the first Black Knight I killed had dropped his sword. Oh, nice. So Extremely once, lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, it was a very lucky. So, like, as soon as I had the stats, I was pretty much playing with the Black Knight sword um, the whole way through. And that's basically been my go-to build. I did um, Black Iron Tarkus with the Black Knight sword as just, like, that was just how I played. And it really stuck with me because my friend told me, because I was like, well, what's a really good build to go? And he said, make it what you want, because, like, there's no bad build in Dark Souls. I was like, okay, and then I just kind of went my own way, and I've been happy with that ever since. I don't know, it's just something that really resonated with me to just kind of go through and explore a world the way I wanted to. Um, it was it was something that I felt was was dying in the RPG, especially with with like kind of the thing of oh you're a mage you have to play this way if you're a warrior you have to play this way and it's so rigid. Um, yeah, if you compare that to Skyrim and uh, and people know me and, and know that I don't particularly care for Skyrim, but like I'm not trying to beat up on my game or anything. But yeah, at the, it came out around the same time Dark Souls did, and it's two totally different approaches to 
you know, an RPG. Skyrim's like you can go anywhere and do anything approach kind of left to be cold, whereas Dark Souls 1 here's just a little bit of a thing that you need to do. And also we're going to kind of lie to you about it <laughs> and just mm-hmm. go explore this, this extremely bespoke world that we've created for you. Just really resonated with me where climbing over a mountain that I could see in the distance, I just did not care about in Skyrim. Yeah. And I think also a really, um, Oh, and yeah, it's it's important to understand that I do I am so that person who plays a lot of games based on recommendations and things like that. Or I'll find or if it's like in a really obscure game, I probably found it on my own while just exploring for a small title to play. Um, it's how I found like stuff like the the Trails series. It's a JRPG series I really loved. I found a few visual novels I really liked some adventure games i found like that but then when it comes to big titles like dark souls i tend to avoid the advertisement and the hype because i find that usually will color your vision one way or the other when you actually play the game um i tend to just enjoy playing the game because i i i i discovered that it was a good game i wasn't told it was a good game Mm -hmm. um uh, so when my friend recommended it to me, like, hey, I think you'll like this, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tr- give it a shot. And then I liked the opening, and then when I finally got the gameplay, I just, I, I was, I was, I was surprised, especially because I think for a lot of people, Dark Souls One was like the first game where you had a storyline which was kind of, in some way, it was both. It was always part of the world, and yet it was completely optional. You chose how much you engaged with it. Um, which sort of let it be so that way if you didn't much care for it, you could just play the game all the way through, not really talk to anyone, and you'll do fine. Or if you're someone like me, you will literally like look at every single little thing in there and think about <laughs> it or just enjoy it. So, um, And that's something the Soul series yeah. really rewards you for. Is you know yeah, it's, those it's, really it's, tiny things can open up the game in really unsus- uns- really in unsuspecting and surprising ways, I think. I've seen people who who criticize um, Souls games in their story front, and I I have I think there's to some extent some merit to that, but I think one of the things that a lot of people overlook is that the fact that it it tells its the way it tells its story, the way it frames its narrative, um, is very different from a lot of a lot of um, games and arguably media in general um it doesn't try to just like feed you a cutscene that will then give you the standard movie exposition or tv show exposition on on what it is um dark souls one in particular i found when i went through the japanese script um I, i'll just like the other day i was looking through it and i was i was impressed by just how succinct and efficient they made the script and yet it's very naturalistic it just nothing really sounds like the character wouldn't tell you this unless it was a game and they had to most of it makes a lot of sense in the context of the narrative they're telling and it's the same thing with item descriptions everything it builds up a world and a storyline that you may not choose to always engage with everyone's experience is going to differ but i think it honestly in many ways i think it's some of what it makes it one of the most best and unique uh story experiences i think you can have in video games and it's something completely unique to video games i don't think you could do what dark souls does in a movie or tv show it's just it'd be completely different do you think that's why um the when dark souls has gone cross media when with with the comic books and, and things that they have done that it doesn't quite work as well um well they have the new one coming out so we'll see how that does Mm -hmm. um i think i think the biggest problem i think with dark souls again and this is my 
unprofessional opinion. I'm not someone in the 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 comic book industry or anything like that. Um, but I think the biggest the biggest problem it has is for for Dark Souls to kind of branch out and go into those other medias is that one you're losing the game element so people who enjoy it for the gameplay are not going to have much and those who have want it for the lore element um it's 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 going to be really hard to win them over i think because even if you say got like Miyazaki's direct word and Miyazaki handed you a script and said this is what i want you to portray in your comic it's going to be really hard to convince a lot of people when it comes out because it's going to inevitably cause people to go, well, this doesn't go with my theory, so it's obviously just complete BS. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, this this doesn't make sense for what we understand about the lore. And a lot, I, 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 again, I don't want to be cynical, but I, I feel like a lot of people will just look and, and not use it as a time to self-reflect and think, well, okay, is it actually breaking the story or is it retconning something or is it just what i think it's retconning because i didn't really i didn't get it right the first time when way back when um it's one of those questions i think people don't often ask and i'm not saying that that's good what's going to happen but yeah it's something that i feel like it, it it makes it hard for for other media to sell themselves to the dark souls fan base i think um i think fans become very attached to their interpretations myself included um and then when when it comes time to actually sort of uh see like say a definitive um answer to some of their questions or some of their ideas or some of their thoughts on what something means it's gonna just like it'll be absolutely mind mind boggling to a lot of people um it's why for the upcoming comic i'm i'm cautiously optimistic um, I feel like the media uh, could work. Um, I told people on Twitter, uh, my followers on Twitter, what like what thirty of them I have, that uh, um, I'm. I feel there when I saw that Silver Knights were battling Seath's channelers. I said there were two events off the top of my head from the lore from which that makes sense to me. Um, I have I never discussed I'm not discussing those events publicly right now because that would just go into me analyzing a whole lot of stuff that I, we're not ready to yet. The project's still under development. I, I just I'm not going to go there right now, but it's something where I'm like, it can make sense. Now, will it? I don't know. I don't know who the writer is. I don't know how far they're going to go with the story. I don't know how much creative liberties there are. I'm not familiar with the Dark Souls 2 comic books. I had to ask um, just to get an idea of why people seem to have a generally negative opinion of them. But from what I gather, it's possible the same things could happen. Um, will it? I don't know. But yeah, that's just how I think on why it, it, it's just so hard to sell it to fans compared to the games. I think anyone will even like even if they even if you don't like a Dark Souls game, I think for many people they'll still say, well, it's Dark Souls, so it, it's it's better than blah blah blah. Ninety percent of whatever other game series they may play or not play. Um, I think when it comes to other media, they have to somehow really sell a narrative that was just couldn't be. That, that just can't do what the Dark Souls narratives do in the game format. 
I'm curious, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you were referring to the, the Japanese text of the game. And um, for, for listeners out there that don't know it because it hasn't quite come up yet, um, Loki was recommended to me by Santa Descade. Um, and you do a lot of translation work for, for various people, translating stuff from the original Japanese text into English, just kind of compare and contrast differences in the games and the, in the, in the game writing. Uh, which has been really illuminating. Like I've I've seen that stuff pop up in, in several places, and it's it colors your interpretations. I think of of, of what that game is. Can you kind of describe yes. how that started? Like where did you number one? How did you get the Japanese text? <laughs> like where? Because oh, oh. I googled and I can't find it. So I'm curious where that so, even exists. <laughs> so well, actually, it's a funny story. So I've been so when I went my I didn't I wasn't part of the English community for the longest time, largely because I, I I just I wasn't interested. Um. What happened though was about a year ago, I decided I was. It, it was a, well. I guess we should give the the update for people so they understand a little backstory. After Dark Souls one, I was in love with the series, so I went into Dark Souls two, and then I compl- And then after twenty hours, I burned my copy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after my wonderful, thrilling experience with Dark Souls two, I eventually got around to Dark Souls three. And immediately I was like, ah, yes, finally. I remember why I like Dark Souls again. Um, uh, so f- my only experience with the English community up till that point was I watched some Dark Souls 2 Lord videos before I got into 3 because I was like, you know what? I was, on- I was, you know, let's, um, I was, the lore was perhaps the only part of the, the game, even though I thought it was confusing and, and terribly portrayed in game. Um, it was the only thing I was interested in. Um, so I'll, go watch some videos and that so and i did i i didn't really pick up on anything too crazy so i was like okay okay i got a general idea then i went through three i love that one but then about a year ago it was about the time that the ring city trailer came out i believe um i actually just on a whim went to reddit and looked at like say what the news thing and browsed through the comments and that's when it suddenly hit me that my reaction to the trailer and to what was being revealed in news was very different from what a lot of other people were saying both on the positive and the negative side um and that surprised me a great deal um and i i immediately I I was just I was just sort of kind of like stunned for a bit. Then that's when I went back to um to the game script and I started taking a serious look. I never really gave it much credence or attention before, but I took a serious look at the localization um for Dark Souls 1. Uh well, actually I started with 3. Um and I was actually surprised because Again, for me, it, it it was a matter of: Am I going to play through all these games again just to just to kind of do this, or am I just going to say scour for let's plays and wikis and things like that? So I went through the Japanese wikis and some Japanese let's plays again, and I was just shocked to find that there were so many, sometimes minor, but a lot of times major differences that really affected how fans understood and interpreted lore. Um. And I was, I was so astonished and so outraged that I ended up, um, ended up falling into this sort of translation loop. It started with just 
um, I was looking online to see, okay, is there people who get it? Is there, is it just sort of like, oh, these are like, say the casuals <laughs> who like are just sort of like throwing out their, their impressions. Cause, um, obviously I understand that like certain communities, certain environments, people, m- there's obviously a different culture and maybe I was just looking at the wrong stuff. Um, but then I looked through a lot of the YouTuber stuff and I started noticing that, yeah, there was a whole lot of differences between Dark Souls 3 and Dark Souls 1 interpretations from where I was standing and from where other people were standing. I noticed a lot of it was rooted in what people were hyper-analyzing localization choices. Um, and I guess we can go into detail into that a little later, but for the, the short story was, there were a lot of problems. And I couldn't find a lot of people who who sort of were were able to look past some of those problems. Then I had found Hawkshaw. Um, it was uh, they were uh, just they were like the one YouTuber I was I managed to find in my in my sort of my search for like I think this was about March last year, definitely around that time or something like that. Um, that. I, I saw their Izalith video on demons, and I'm not sure if you had seen it, but it was, for me, it was the part where I was like, okay, because Izalith is one of my favorite topics in Dark Souls as a subject matter. I just am really attached to that aspect of the lore. So when I saw that someone got it, at least to an extent, I had many disagreements with Hawkshaw on their on the, on some of the substance of their work, on some of their conclusions, and again, part of that's rooted in localization. Part of it's just me as a as a critic of their analysis. But mo- for the most part, I I was like, oh my gosh, I finally found like some. I finally found someone who had a, v- a very scarily similar um, thought process to mine in terms of detail and um, uh, attention to kind of giving a methodical approach to the lore that I didn't see in a lot of other YouTube channels and. Um, also, obviously, Hawkshot was much more longer key, and it, just for me, I just generally like having longer videos to watch because it makes it easier, um, both when I'm working and when I'm not, to just sort of enjoy content and really digest it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, f- and then f- that, w- and then at that point, that was when I decided I was like, okay, if someone can get pretty far with even with this localization, imagine what the community could get if they got say, more proper localization, an actual proper sort of Bible to interpret. Um, So then I started working on a lot of my translations, and I approached Hawkshaw, and I offered to give them for a time an exclusive ability to tell her, take any of my work, I'm not telling you what to interpret or anything, just here's my work, do with it what you will. And that's generally my policy with that. If you want to if you want to take my opinion or my thoughts on something, you can. If you want to leave it, that's okay too. Um I I'm on, I honestly I honestly have no stake in that. Um I'm a huge proponent uh, well, despite what I say, I'm a huge proponent of of fans thinking and coming to their own conclusions. And if they differ from mine, I I that's fine. I just want to make sure fans are aware of all the information sure. because it, it, it becomes frustrating for me that I see this amount. There are so many things that I saw when I looked, when I started actually seriously looking at it and realizing there was so much stuff in Dark Souls 1 that fans didn't understand or they were confused about or they had they debated about. And these are issues that in the Japanese community were not a problem. Um, there were These were debates that were... N- non-existent these were issues that were 
just simply not there. But there was it just it 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 amazed me too because the English community is so large and so passionate. Um, that that it it, it just if it, it feel it just felt very bad for me that that was just how it turned out. Um, and, and it's been like that for seven years or so now. Um, and g- generally speaking, the the Dark Souls localizations have improved. Um, Dark Souls One is easily the worst, um, no question. Uh, but they generally over time you can see that more effort was put into um, the accuracy. There's a lot less objectionable errors in the third game versus the first game. That isn't to say that the localizations are necessarily good, but th- th- I would say that they're at least of meh quality. So, so a whole lot I want to ask about. <laughs> oh, yeah, feel free. Um, to- I I I want I want to start. So I guess what if you don't mind answering this what was your background as far as like being able to translate this kind of stuff like do you do you, are you do you work in this in that field professionally or is this or is this something that not you professional not professional it's 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 not a professional thing i would argue yeah. it's more because i love playing lots of japanese media and games so um it's sort of something that 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 came up and and became sort of i'd argue that over over the year it's something that you sort you 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 I'm not saying that this would happen to like every fan of of Japanese media, but I think for a lot of people who get very deep into media or very passionate about about the media, for a lot of them, they'll want to learn the language or they'll want to be a part of that culture or they'll want to visit. I know, like, say, Va- I think Vati said that he want he visited Japan recently um, and stuff like that. I think for a lot of people, it becomes a matter of just wanting to um, get a little bit closer to to the material you enjoy to understand it and i think the trigger for me on what made me ultimately learn uh, learn japanese was that there were some some medias or franchises that i just wanted to re- be, read or play or watch myself and gotcha. not have to say rely on it again and Understand this. I am not a a sub purist or something, as I know a lot of anime and manga fandoms <laughs> tend to have. Um, unfortunately, I am someone who is very. I am very pro translation. I am very pro localization. I am all about that. But as a customer, I want to be paid. When I pay for something, I expect it to be of a certain quality. And as a for, I guess what I am now is officially a translator. Okay. Um, I like to make sure that I I do so of quality. When I make a mistake, I expect to be held accountable, and I will I'm, and I would apologize and say, okay, I got to do better. But if they make a mistake, they got paid, and it's already out there for everyone to see. So there's a huge difference between, in my opinion, between say the professional localizer and say some schmuck like me. Um. Which is what makes me extremely disappointed in, in 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 some of the, especially Dark Souls One, um, translation choices. There are just things that you look at and you're like, you can tell someone just glanced, and then probably wrote down. I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't know what 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 they went through for that, but it's one of those moments where you just look at it and you're like, they, they it seems like they just glanced and then wrote down the first thing that popped in their head, and then an editor didn't even bother fact checking anything. Um, gotcha. So yeah. the the second thing I want to ask is when you started looking at the Japanese text and you start comparing that to what you saw in the 
uh, in the English text, you mentioned that you were you were kind of outraged, like that you used that word outraged. What what specifically was causing that emotion? Like, what did you see? Was that just the interpretations that people were giving based on kind of? Uh, it, 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 like I said, it comes down to the it comes down partially to principle. Like I said, it's just a matter of. When I, as a as a customer, I want to pay for I I I pay for a certain amount of quality. Mm-hmm. I don't. I guess to to put it in another way, to put it to, in, in this sort of like kind of like a deeper deeper like kind of philosophical way, is that um, I I don't believe language barriers should affect your experience consuming a media. You can argue that's idealistic, but I. There are a lot of times where I see people will argue, well, you know, you have to you have to change it for the fans. And I would argue um, they, they're not going to understand this. And I would argue, well, Dark Souls has a lot of heady concepts, but they're not necessarily they're not. There's not a lot in there that is Japanese specific. Um, I think for I think most of the Japanese stuff can be associated with the East and where there's the obvious Japanese parallels there. Um, so that's something that obviously will have Japanese culture, and generally they localize that fine. They 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 treat it like it is a foreign Japanese Far Eastern Oriental culture, however you want to put it. Um, the 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 problem comes when you you start looking at sort of um, word choices and um, uh, the way they word things. There's a general philosophy in all the Dark Souls games I've noticed when it comes to the localization that um, when in doubt, uh, pretty up the script. Um, there's this huge obsession, I feel, when I read through the English script with just making everything this uh, flowery language, this cra- these um, these overridden phrases and and words and sometimes it works there's definitely characters where you remember them because of the way it's worded and i'm not discouraging localizations from getting creative but there's definitely seems to be the idea that they valued what sounded good over versus what was actually accurate to what was being said um and this results sometimes in characters being changed in terms of who they are or how um how you would perceive them this can affect things just in basic facts what is being said what is happening in the situation and sort of kind of as a butterfly effect this ends up affecting tons of other ways that fans interpret lore because something that was subtly hinted in the japanese could be lost in translation and suddenly the fans are now missing this and yet they're obsessing over say a specific word or the definition of a word that was honestly just chosen because it it's it, it it sounded cool it wasn't necessarily gotcha. the hyper accurate i think the best example i can give off the top of my head is um i've seen theories about seath um there's the idea that that seath might have secretly told Gwyn a secret about the dragons and that's why um the war ended and all this stuff about how why Gwyn is so uh, respectful for Seath and the only thing I could really find for that that could actually support that theory was the term used in the localization which was I think confidant which was the idea that you it's a person whom you you share a secret or something with um and I was like okay so I get that's where they got it the problem is is that the japanese just uses the word ally there's no 
new subtle nuance that's in the English version because they said, well, you can't really call him an ally. Let's call him a confidant. And you kind of get this again. That's again my point is that you kind of have this, hey, let's just use the flowery language without under without thinking about the consequences of what it'll do so it really leads to not only people that i think translators just missed or they 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 got wrong it leads to a lot of problems where i'm sure in their heads it wasn't a big deal or it made sense but when you look at it from the viewer's perspective you start and as i I think i it's proven now seeing how it's turned out after three games that fans will go in wildly different directions because you chose a certain word that was different from um, what it actually said. It just uh, it, those nuances do affect things, and that's why I think it outraged me. Was just that so much of this was unnecessary. Um, gotcha. Yeah, if it was just something like it was just an issue of oh different cultures, I'd be much more forgiving. But a lot of it just seems like, if not incompetence, then severe carelessness. Let's say. So talking about Seath brings us to uh, pretty close to Havel, uh, and uh, yeah. you were you were you were interesting because I think you're the first guest to actually send me notes before the podcast. I've had people yeah. send me stuff afterwards, uh, but I've I've never actually had like like hey you need to read this before we talk um, because you were mm-hmm. you were bringing some translation information to Havel. I'm I just kind of want to open the floor and I'm I'm looking at the notes now, but uh, just kind of let you talk about this if if you are willing to do so. No problem. So I wanted to talk about Havel in particular for this because this was a, a long time coming. Um, I understand that Havel. Um, I, I, when I when I looked at, at, at what I saw for all the fan theories and everything, I noticed there was a prevailing thought that Havel was human. Um, I never had that impression. Um, but then again, I ha- didn't have a lot of impressions. I ended up finding there human so, as opposed and, to and, as to as opposed to what as opposed to. As opposed to, I guess, well, in in my papers, I, I, I refer to the gods as, well, I guess the race of the gods as medials. Okay. Um, the idea that um, there are the gods, but they're, and they're sort of, God is, godhood is more so a status than a state of being. Um, and I wanted to strictly divorce, in my analyses, I like to strictly divorce understanding that that there is this sort of innate divinity to the gods. Um, there's 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 a there's a there's that sort of Christian mentality applied to them in universe. Um, that's sort of the culture that they've created around themselves. But the, they are they are more or less another race, like the giants or the pygmies or the humans, etc. Um, and that was sort of something I wanted to focus on. So for me, I would argue that Havel is probably a medial, not necessarily a god, but not necessarily um, not their race. Okay, perfect. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so I just want to give that preface because for a lot of people, I can understand where the, like people are like, well, what is Ornstein Oratorius? Are they gods? They're never referenced to be gods. And I would argue they can be the same race without being gods. I would even argue that you could pretty much consider godhood nobility um, equivalent to nobility in Dark Souls logic. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. Okay. So for Havel himself, I, I can just go crazy then? Yeah, yeah. Take, take off. <laughs> awesome. So so I think l- let's start with um, 
some I think what everyone talks about is perhaps the the actual idea of okay is the care is the question is is the the enemy we fight actually have the Havel is Havel the rock enemy Havel um or is it say just uh, a pretender or what have you um well there is there are some differences um one of the biggest problems with the Dark Souls one localization is that it changes a lot of enemy names um. Mm-hmm often wildly so you'll have say the the crow people of velka i think a lot of people who are familiar with design works have heard that before um uh miyazaki's talked about that but in the in the the english version i noticed they're called crow demons whereas in the japanese they're called crow people and this term is used again in dark souls 3 and they translate it as the corvians which i think was an awesome choice um yeah I, mean, I, I was like, see, that's cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it, that's that, that's where I that's where I say that that's good localization. You take uh, the, the the term crowman and you try to make it into something that'll be more natural, more unique, and less generic sounding without taking away from its root meaning. Um, uh, Dark Souls one didn't do that. They were just like, oh, they're crow demons. What? what so they're like the the chaos demons. No, they're crow demons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and this happens a lot. With Havel in particular, you have he's called Havel the Rock, I understand in English, but in Japanese he's just called um basically Warrior of Havel, or depending on context, you could argue it could be something like Havel the Warrior or something like that. So it's a little vague. Um so the question becomes, okay, so is it a warrior of Havel or is it Havel the Warrior? Because it's not Havel the Rock, like in the English, so it's not strictly talking about that. Ha- it's not strictly implying it's that Havel. Um, well, I think I think for a lot of people who've played the subsequent games, it's very obvious. We've heard reference to the Warriors of Havel. I think Three's localization translates them as Knights of Havel. Um, I think I have to look. I haven't looked at that in a little while. Um, but generally speaking, there's this idea that Havel had lots of warriors that, that copied his armor and his equipment and all that. Um, and I think that that's something that fans would, wouldn't have had to struggle with early on if, if they knew a little bit more about the name nuances. And it becomes more obvious when you look at some of the descriptions, too. Um, if you look at the, the what's it called... Um, the actual talk about Havel, they mention him having adherence and people adhering to him, and this carries over into other games as well. And you'll notice a lot with Dark Souls games, they sort of build a lot of things, especially in the Japanese version. It's more a lot more obvious. There's oftentimes a lot of a lot of um, just sort of copy pasting um, descriptions for better or for worse, um, uh, which leads to 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 characters getting a little bit more accurate in later games, but. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it's fo- yeah, yeah. To focus on just sort of on on what I deal with when it comes to Havel, uh, there's the discussion about sort of okay, who locked? The- Let's assume that Havel the Rock isn't Havel the Rock; it's just a warrior of Havel. Um, okay, who locked him in? Well, a lot of people would say if it is Havel, that Gwyn locked him in, or and that's the 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 dear friend referenced to. Uh, to have locked him into the watchtower and left him there. Well, that causes some timeline problems, especially if you consider that it's not actually Havel. Why would Gwyn just throw a random warrior in there? Um, so my answer to that would be, I think the warrior would be the blacksmith that you find dead 
in um, After the Moonlit Butterfly Flight. He has the key. Makes mm-hmm. sense. He's the friend. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm uh, with you so far. Yeah. So yeah. So so far, I'm not speaking like I'm not speaking fucking tin foil half theories yet. Um. Yet. Uh. One of the things though that I noticed the localization kind of did a weird thing with was it did this sort of for his own good, of course, at the end of the key, which I get why that makes people think it's like a oh Gwyn locked away Havel and there's a conspiracy type of deal. Because that is a really shady line to throw at the end of the of the key's description. Um But I, I don't think they meant it that way. Um especially because in the Japanese, it's just sort of a thing where um, it, it's said that there is um, that the tower became a prison, and then there was a hero who became a hollow, and then was confined by a friend. It, it's very simple and straightforward. Um, and I think they took that it's said, and they were like, oh, we'll make it sort of like a, or so it's said, or for his own good, of course, to kind of throw doubt. The problem with that is it's said, the phrase, or toyu was is used constantly i would say in video games in general but especially in dark souls it's used constantly and it's usually translated out in the localization so i don't know why they felt the need to add sort of this extra nuance to this particular um key and i feel like it's made a lot of people jump onto conspiracy bandwagons around havel um it, it justified or not uh the idea for me is that how this isn't Havel. This warrior was locked in because he became a hollow. You can I'll let fans discuss on if there's a deeper meaning or some deeper lore implications there. But there wasn't anything crazy regarding um, that aspect. Another reason a lot of fans will say that Havel is human, I believe, is because in Dark Souls One he is called a bishop in the localization. Um, Sort of the idea that Bishop Havel, okay, he's a bishop, the way of white, the church, all that. Okay, so he's got to be a human, right? Like, why would a god or or god race be a bishop of a church? Doesn't make much sense. Um, and, and I think that's justifiable logic. The problem is he's never called a bishop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's kind of an important detail. Um what actually happens is that the term bishop in Dark Souls 1 is actually the word priest. Um, and not even like a, a, a specific priest like Christian or Japanese or anything like that. Just a generic term for priest. Okay. Which is a little bit different than bishop. Like that, that bishop has a different connotation to it. Exactly. Completely. And it's sort of like the whole thing where the bishops of Dark Souls... I, so, I think there's someone who already did a translation on this where the deacons of the deep are actually bishops and it's... The, it's um. So there is actual bishops in the Dark Souls universe. They just don't crop up until the third game. Um, the only references we actually get to Dark Souls 1 when it comes to clergy ranks are the high priests, or I think they're called like something like high bishop or something in the localization. Um, I, I already talked about this in my Rhea Reddit post. The idea that you can become a a high uh, a high priest regardless of gender and all that based on where we find this ring on a holy woman's corpse, um, and the general idea that there is sort of this this pattern of having a priest if you're male generally, um, or a holy woman serving you as one of the gods or someone who is worshipped. Um, so you have this case where Gwendolyn, there's a priest of Gwendolyn, there is a 
there are holy women to Guinevere, there are priests of Velka, there are all these times where the idea of a priest of X god, um, or um, or otherwise similarly a high-ranking figure. Uh, and the same is true for Havel. Instead of being called Bishop Havel, similar to the whole warrior of Havel, Havel the warrior, I think the local is, I think the, the whoever translated his miracles looked at the term priest of Havel and thought, okay, maybe it's Havel the priest, and then they went through the editing process and someone decided priest had to be made bishop for whatever reason. Um, again, these are times where I don't, I don't know what to assume went through their heads when they make these choices. Um, which, um, of course that's vague for people. Um, is it Havel the priest or is it priest of Havel? And I generally, and I generally understand it to be priest of Havel. One, because Havel is never referenced as a priest or bishop ever again in subsequent games. That notion is completely dropped. So... It seems it wasn't very. Even if he was, it didn't seem to be very important in the first place. Um, and this, and the second thing that's really worth noting is that there's a lot more than just that that was changed for the miracles. Um, for I think the stand, if I remember right, it's the standard um, magic barrier miracle. It's just sort of a thing where it's like called like miracle of Bishop Havel the Rock. Um, straightforward, simple. It's a little more complicated in the Japanese. It's which I put as the thing which generalized a miracle imparted by rock-like Havel to meet the way of white circumstances. The reason this nuance is important is because this is done again with the heel miracles. Um, I think it was also translated out correctly, um, where it seems the way of white has this, this... As the church, in order to give... They, they they sort of like abridge miracles and make them simpler so that way more people can use them and it'll be easier to, it's sort of like they're sort of like mass producing them for everyone in effect okay yeah that makes sense and, and okay. it's yeah so basically they take the law they take Havel's original great magic barrier and they're like okay we're gonna shorten this and then we're gonna give it out to everybody um which seems to be what happened they generalize they made this the gen- that 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 that's much more easier to use to a mass audience, um, and this seems to be something done both in terms of the goodwill of the church in the case of the heels, and in the case of when we're talking about this miracle in particular for a lot darker reasons. Um, the 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 thing that I want people to pay attention to is the idea was that it was done to meet the way of white circumstances, and the thing you have to ask yourself is what circumstances would the church need to meet in order to make a miracle, a, a basically a magic-denying miracle, a magic-protecting miracle, so widely available to their warriors. Um, th- it would imply that they had a huge conflict with, with, with mages and sorcerers um, at some point. Um, and this is again referenced in Dark Souls 3, I believe it more Dark Souls 3 generally tries to make Dark Souls 1 implied things more explicit. And I think one in Dark Souls 3 they called it um Yes, they called it sort of uh the sorcerers and pre and, and clergy were at war for a time or for a short time or something like that. So uh, like it's again, I'm not just sort of spinning my wheels here. I'm I'm curious. Because all of this is fascinating, and I, I like kind of mm-hmm. getting into the details and the nitty gritty of this, of comparing the lore stuff and seeing how 
much of an effect it has on the overall story of the game. But for you as a as as a player, when you sit down, like when Dark Souls three came out and you're sitting down to play Dark Souls three for the first time, do you have these sorts of questions running through your head while you're playing, or do you try to just kind of experience the game as is and then start tearing it apart afterwards? Like, how do you approach a, a new Souls game when it comes out? I only did ser- like serious like analysis and committing it to writing this ye- past year. Okay. Um, I've been completely driven by wanting to give fans not only my interpretation, but proper information so they can understand my interpretation and for them to start working with their own if they happen to disagree or, again, I'm not perfect. If I make a mistake, I want them to have that information so they can correct it and go down their own rabbit hole. Um, that's what was important. Like I said, most when I first entered the English community, what got me into this was that my general impressions about the about the jet from the Japanese perspective ended up being completely different from what the English community seemed to largely understand. Um, this was this that was that disconnect, just as like sort of casual to casual fans, um, is what made me want to look at it more harshly. Um, as far as sort of okay, what are the facts? What are the what are the 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 inferences? What are the the lies? Um, that that has affected my understanding for some aspects of the lore. Mm-hmm. Um, going through all I've now done for fan for people to understand for the project I'm working on, I have done 600 pages of translation notes for all three games. Oh my lore! Um, total so far, <laughs> 600 pages. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dark Souls 1 alone is like, I think, at least like 170, 180, something like that. Um, so I've done a lot of... Go- I've gone through basically the ent- all three games entirely. Um, you can thank Sandus K for that. Um, before, I was spending hours wasting time looking through hundreds of hours of Let's Play videos just hoping that someone would open the menu and go to that specific item I wanted or something like that, or that find that obscure piece of dialogue. Sandus K made that much easier for me because he was kind enough to just pull the whole scripts of the games out for me so I could just have a, a, a copy for me to control F whenever I wanted to look at a line. Gotcha. Um, it was, it was, it's, it, it saved me an immense amount of time these past, this, these past few months. Oh yes, so yeah, the, the Sandus came ended up making it so much simpler for me overall um, for going through everything from there, which led to to not only get out those six hundred pages a lot faster, but it's allowed me to keep and continue checking and revising and doing so. I'm not having to go. Okay, I gotta go find that that part sixty of that guy specific let's play in order to get that dialogue that I couldn't ever find, couldn't ever bother to do in my own playthroughs. Um, and, and it, it was just such an immense help to do that. Um, it, it made it so much easier, but then, um, as far as my analyses go, I have 200 pages so far for specifically Dark Souls 1. Um, it's nowhere near finished, but, um, it, it, it's, it's a good, it's a major majority of sort of me just talking about and discussing and breaking down the lore for fans. Um, and... I've been forced to confront facts and ideas that 
I did not initially agree with when I was casually playing through and I sort of formed my own ideas. There have been definitely moments where I've had to change my perspective on things. Um, sometimes, um, some, some moments easier than others. But I think overall it was... a. a, a I think overall it was for the best because it, it both helped me learn something as a fan. It wasn't just me sort of trying, it wasn't me just trying to tell people, okay, this is what's really going on. It let me actually reevaluate and actually reflect on some of my own assumptions that might not have been so correct or might have had some flawed reasoning there on just initial impressions. Um, and I, I was really, I was, I was really happy. Uh, I've been really happy about that. Interesting. What do you, what do you mm-hmm. think is going to happen when a like another Souls games comes out? Because so, we're in such a, a weird position right now with From Software, where they've kind of teased. To be honest, I hope that never happens. I hope um, they don't ever come out with another Souls game. Yeah. Yes. After like, uh, and this is with or with, I know some people would be like, oh, if Miyazaki on it, I totally be on board. Without Miyazaki, I agree with with the notion that it's best to let the series end. Um, we've had three games now. One of them you could argue is more a reboot than a sequel. The other that more or less takes the ideas of the first game to the its logical conclusion in terms of concepts, ideas, and general just plot progression. Um, I feel like if there was another, if there was a, a quote-unquote Dark Souls four. I feel it would just be sort of people it would sort of defeat the purpose it would just exist um I'm not confident that from software or any developer would be able to truly sort of sort of continue the franchise without without honestly hurting its 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 overall quality up until now um I speak that both from a lore perspective um, and a little bit from a gameplay perspective. I honestly think that what they've gone with the remaster route, I think that's honestly a better idea because, again, even if it's just like small changes, like, like oh, it's it's more like a uh, re-release um, w- with some with some minor like sort of updating some mechanics to modern standards. Uh, I think that that's just for the best, honestly. I don't think there should be a Dark Souls 4, so to speak. Um, uh, and again, I may be biased, because if there's a Dark Souls 4, it's like, oh god, another game of lore for me to go through. <laughs> yeah, another 900 pages to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. Yay! No. But honestly, it is just a matter of... I just don't... I, I feel like everyone would have their ideal Dark Souls game, and I just think that when they finally get that dark souls game there it's just not going to meet it for them um it's just going to but it'll just be like oh this why did they even do that they did so much wrong why they learned nothing from the past mistakes it's just one of those things where i'm just like the series has had three good games um if you're um there's bloodborne there's demon souls there's potentially new ips i would prefer from software work on those and develop those brands than just keep on spinning dark souls just for the sake of it i i again and i could be wrong if they come if they truly had something novel and advances where things go I, i'll i'll take it i'm not going to say no to it but I just don't see where they could honestly go with the franchise right now that 
wouldn't start making fan that wouldn't start straining fans um uh convictions about their love for for souls games um and again i mean i i don't know how else to put it and i hate to yeah, say yeah, that because i know that's perfect yeah that's, yeah that, that makes your point very very clearly i yeah it's, it's it's something that i think about a lot because um it, it's gaming is a is it at its heart a creative industry it's a mm-hmm. you know it's they're they're making art to, to put out there and uh it's always but it's always tied up with money and the business side of things so you wonder how much of you know from's motivations for making a, a dark souls 3 or even a dark souls 2 where here's a big pile of money on the table or no this is something that we have creatively come up with and not to say either one of those is bad because everybody's got to eat and you know yeah. eating costs money Houses yeah again i'm money. not criticizing again i'm not criticizing people on that front the, it's definitely sure. something where i i saw i know clash to two on case of feeling like it was just a cash grab is again why i say if within an actual sequel it, it, Dark Souls Two seems to have had that idea that it it could drop. Um, it sort of it, it it didn't compared to three, which I know some people have their own criticism. I think some of it is valid, but I think what three does, especially at least again partially because I, I my my understanding of the lore is that it it takes a lot of the ideas from one and it tries to build on them. Two felt like it tried to just try to redo what one did. But it couldn't do it because one existed. So it said, okay, let's just hit the fucking um, Marvel reboot timeline and suddenly, boop, okay, whole new universe <laughs> setting, everything. See, we're, we're, it's, it's, and again, like I said, it just fe- it feels like a reboot. They just drop all the plot threads, characters, and ideas that you could have built upon that three does, which in, in some ways worked against two in the end because as as some people have noted with three, it made it very easy to drop a lot of a lot of two's lore ideas and just kind of shove it to the side to continue with the with with the plot lines and ideas they go with with three because it just sort of rid it wrote itself into this little quarter of we're our own little thing. Well, okay, then I guess we can ignore you if you're going to be over there. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. I. So the uh, it, it, this this enormous project that you're doing for all of the Dark Souls games, like what is the what is going to be the goal for that? Is that like to publish that on the web one day so that people can make their own comparisons, or like what? What's I, the I don't want to I don't want to say anything too specific on the details. Again, things can change. Sure, um, yeah. I would I would I would hate for I would hate for things for this project to get dropped, especially when I, I I've 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 been working on it casually for about a few months of just writing my analysis and work and worked on it seriously more almost like i think almost six, wait yeah almost six months now seriously working on this project um i think fans have seen from my my reddit posts and my twitter posts and everything that i have i am super passionate about talking about this stuff with people and it's really hard for me to keep my lip my just zip my lip but it's something where I, I definitely I don't want to want to get fans too excited um, until we're absolutely ready and we can talk about it in total. Um, awesome, yeah. It's I just totally one of those understand. things. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I just. It's one of those things where I like I don't want to say something to people and then I don't want to disappoint you guys so much. Um, I will say I this: I don't like to uh, pre-announce guests that are going to be on the show that I, that I've just started talking. Yeah, to it's like because uh, you know something is going to something inevitably something inevitably good or bad and you just you don't want to like uh, uh 
ru- ruin fans' expectations one way or the other. Exactly. Um, th- that said, what I will say about the project is that I did not spend these many months writing all these translation notes and writing all these analyses so that way fans will never see them. Um, so I will, I will give them confidence on that, that I will speak on personally, regardless of the project. I will, I will find a way, I will find a way. Um, <laughs> to get it out there. Good. I, I, yeah, awesome. I will. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's gonna, and I, and I hope fans will be excited. will will at least keep some interest and excitement for the project because it will be something that I think that they're really going li- to, I honestly think fans are really going to like it. If they like what I've talked about for translations up till this point, mm-hmm. if they've remained interested in the franchise from a lore perspective, I think I'm going to give them a lot to chew on for a franchise, which for them may now be, we're going on like almost like, oh yeah, seven years old now. So like it's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the only thing that shocks me now is that I'm the first to be doing this. (laughs) (laughs) That's honestly the only thing I find shocking after all these many months. Um, well, Loki, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of this stuff. This has been extraordinarily illuminating, and, and like I, I just looked up and realized we've been talking for an hour. I hadn't even realized yeah. it. I thought I thought we were still about thirty minutes. <laughs> this was no. breezed by. I know time flies, right? It's terrible. Uh, so thank you, thank you so much for guesting. I really appreciate it. Oh well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate. It. Where can uh, where can people find you on the internet? All right, so I recommend that people check me out on Twitter um, at hashtag uh, at. Uh, not hashtag Loki underscore uh, DS. It's just generally, I think, better for people to follow me on Twitter just because that's just where I will randomly rant about whatever's bothering me at the moment on Dark Souls localization. I'll be like, oh yeah, there's this thing. Let me talk about that today. Um, that's just where you'll generally be able to find me. You can contact me. It's easier. I'm also on Reddit. If you are familiar with um, my Reddit post, congrats. If you're not, I strongly recommend you read them so you get an idea of my work and why I at least think it's important and interesting. So those are generally the only two places I would honestly look for me. I don't think you'll be able to find me anywhere else. Yeah. And I'll drop a link to uh, your Twitter and your Reddit post in the, in the show notes. So if people are curious about it, they can just look at their pod reader right now and click a link and and they'll be right there. So go check out. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you again. This this has been an absolute blast. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm always happy to talk about dark soul. (laughs) As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do so is at patreon.com slash don'tgiveupskeleton. You can also leave an iTunes review, or you can just keep listening. That's cool, too. Uh, Thank you, everybody, who has done any one of those three things. It's very much appreciated. We'll be back next week with yet another guest talking about Dark Souls. And remember, everybody, don't give up skeleton. All right, we're good. Cut, wonderful, perfect. Okay, that went well. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, that was extremely good. Uh, it's not going to be too much of an edit or, an edit or anything, so this is going to be perfect. Uh, I'll let you know when it's going to come out, but I'm, I'm really, really excited. But, you know, as soon as uh, you start putting stuff out there, your project is going to be on the various channels. Oh, no problem. I really appreciate that. Let me.